Hi, this is Emily from the museum. Just wanted to let everyone know that the 20th of March will be World Storytelling Day. We at the National Leprechaun Museum will be celebrating by doing some very special tours. You can book your tickets now on our website, leprechaunmuseum.ie, and keep an eye on our social media for updates and more news. Hello, welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum podcast. The podcast where the storytellers from the National Leprechaun Museum get together, tell stories, talk about stories and stuff. One day we will work out an intro. I'm Emily Collins. I'm Mark Gearan. I'm Nisha Odin. And Mark, what are we talking about today? Drink and drinkables. Yay. Yeah, because yeah. people, when it comes to stereotyping the Irish, alcohol seems to play a big part. So So uh, what are you drinking this evening or this morning? Whatever time we're recording. Uh, well, I actually wasn't expecting to be asked that, but I went and bought a bottle of Coke the other day. Ooh. And I picked it up and went to till and it was... Uh, Magnificent strawberry what? Diet Coke is called. Oh. We'll talk about it later when we're not recording. But <laughs> it was uh, disappointing. Oh, that's, yeah. a, that's a shame. Not, I was getting very oh, intrigued. No, I'm, I'm used to disappointment. Um, it's kind, of my, it's it's kind of my thing. And, and Anisha, what are you drinking? Cans of Monster. Of course. Of course. I am primarily fueled by caffeine and nicotine. Yeah. That's how I survive. We're not getting sponsorship, just so no. you know. <laughs> well, I'm now gonna you tell you, me. Going to let you know that we're not going to get a sponsorship deal from Monster. Fine. It would cost them too much. <laughs> it would, in fairness, to supply you, away an insatiable habit. And it is. Emily, come on, you're some kind of classy tea. Yeah. Um, well, actually, it's water, but normally it's the blood and tears of my enemies. Nice. Or the laughter of small children. Ooh, I like ride that one. a black unicorn down the side of an erupting volcano. Thing is, I can actually really picture you doing that. I, I thought you'd get the Voltaire reference. Yeah, you struck me as a Voltaire fan. You... I am actually. Uh, yeah. I'm just. I'm as I said, fueled yeah. primarily by caffeine. So in my mind, riding a black unicorn down the side oh, of yeah, a yeah, 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 volcano, yeah, yeah, yeah. while drinking from a chalice filled with the laughter of small children. Sounds like just weird Mills and Boone. Uh, <laughs> oh, but then again, I am considerably older than the two of you. <laughs> no, but in terms of drink and, and drinkables, mm. like while I said, people do stereotypes and think of alcohol. Um, tea. 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 Yeah, yeah. tea's a bigger thing. Oh, and God, yeah. uh, you have a cup of tea, Father. Yes, I yeah. go on. I go on. I'm actually going to break with a bit because I, when I was looking through the questions for today, there was one question that I thought was really funny. Yeah. Which someone asked, "Are there any leprechauns in Father Ted?" Well, Nisha has a theory. Father Jack was a close cousin of the leprechaun called the Clerlecon. And um, I think everyone pronounces that differently. I say, of course. Cl- I say Clerlecon. You say Clerlecon. And you say. I say Clerlecon. Okay. You guys are probably correct. No, I actually assume then Emily must be wrong because it's the same as what I say. So, yeah. What is, what is a, a chloricon or a chloricon? Either, either. Uh, so, they seem to be more popular in the south of Ireland, and we're not disparaging Cork. They wouldn't let us away with that. <laughs> but they, rather than the standard leprechaun who was a shoemaker, who uh, allegedly, allegedly, yes, and was most famous for having his pots of gold, uh, chloricons seem to be. Well, more obsessed with just getting drunk. And uh, some people will say that they're not actually a separate species at all. It's just leprechauns out on a bender. <laughs> I personally, I'm very moved by that theory. I think it holds a lot of water. Mm. But they're more active in the south, and their main thing is they sneak into people's wine cellars and drink up their wine without them noticing. Mm. Yeah, the McCarty's McCarty cellar story. Yeah. But it, it's weird, though, because just when you were saying that there, and I hadn't thought about it before, of course, their name is based on their defining characteristics. But that yeah. would have been the same thing for people's surnames, would have been yeah. based on their yeah. trades that they had, you I know? And, uh, you're somewhere, a Smith. We are now calling you Mr. Smith. If you were a Tanner, you're, yeah, you were a Tanner. So, uh, Lou Corpon, of course, means small bodied and chloricon. I'd have to look into it, but probably means drunkard. I was I was looking up the other day about the old Irish words for ale, and uh, again, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce the Irish, but it definitely began with a CL. Definitely with a CL. So, uh, okay, there we go. We're breaking ground here. <laughs> that is the can level you, of detail we go that into. Nisha and I don't speak Irish. What are you talking about? I'm called Nisha Brian Governor O'Day, and I have to speak Irish. <laughs> Otherwise, my parents would disown me. We will do a special. We'll do a special podcast, Oscailga, um for uh, Shocknagela. Are you uh, just so, like? Exercising us from the room, then like oh, we'll do not a special now, podcast now, so you guys can't be involved. None of us here. I'd just be able to tell you to like sit down, stand up, put your hands up, and I know three ways to tell people to be quiet. Yeah, but that's 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 about it. Uh, I think most people remember how to say, "Can I go to the bathroom?" Oh uh, yes, son. Well, catagum dugadin leheris marshal I've seen that used as a chat up line. Uh, okay. Not the act with its actual meaning, but uh, uh, did you see the tattoo? 
I have seen the tattoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so many. Poor unfortunate woman got that oh. tattooed. Going, I was told that this was the Gaelic for I love, or something for love forever. And, oh God. Yeah. 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 That's unfortunate. Well, Did see, you... that's what happens when you get drunk and get tattooed. True. To be perfectly honest. Actually, again, and not related to social we're talking about, but I remembered earlier on when I saw this, I had to tell you, Emily, someone had taken a screenshot from an episode of Buffy, hmm. oh. which had a paragraph in Irish in a, in a text they were referencing, and it's about bus lanes. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> they translated it, so the book that they're actually showing, you now it's got a kind of nice kind of Celtic kind of imagery around it, but the actual text of the book that was in Buffy was about bus lanes <laughs> and transport. That's, that's uh, well, I mean... They, they were quite into their horses and their chariots. Mm. So, um, you... Uh, no, we can't justify it. <laughs> no, they just... No, yeah, okay, it's sorry. that gobbledygook as well. Okay. What I called it. But, but again, I'm going to be the one to bring it back to drink and drinkables uh, because we did mention like, the McCarthy Cellar story. You yeah. know, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stories that centre around drink and it'd be very easy to kind of just kind of throw out the easy ones but there's... There's some of them are just odd and, and quite... Um, I don't think anything good ever comes out of it. Uh... Uh, occasionally someone learns a lesson the lesson is normally don't get drunk and make a deal with the fairies that generally does seem to be how it works out and yeah um, d- despite our, our reputation as heavy drinkers most of our stories have a moral of no don't don't drink don't drink that uh, we're fully aware we have a problem yeah. we just haven't quite gotten to the stage of admitting it yet no we admit it we just haven't got to the stage of dealing with it well we, we never will get to that stage I, I, you know, it's not even all about excess like we were talking earlier yeah. on about Dermot and Gronia yeah, and of course oh, she's oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And she just drugs everyone she does yeah so it's like our wedding feast she and doesn't she, want to marry Fionn McCool it's all been arranged because she hadn't met the groom before and then saw that he's older than her grandfather but she does it in quite an interesting way. Rather, rather than, uh, rather than just drugging the person that she wanted, no, no, she drugged everyone, everyone from her magical chalice, apart from the people that she, uh, that she, that she wanted to have a chat with. I also loved how she was hedging her bets. Like she'd been, like she was seeing Dermot there, going, "Oh yeah, he he's a bit of all right," but you know what? Just in case he says no, uh, I'm going to keep. <laughs> my future husband's son and his grandson awake. I'm going to ask them because obviously they're going to go for me. And well, even when well, they well, all say no. Well, weren't uh, Ashin and Oscar, weren't they the ones who brought the proposal with them? They were. So she's, I think she might say, yeah, when you said he wanted to marry me, you forgot to mention the fact that he was your granddad. <laughs> yeah, it's not I, ideal. I think um, there might be a bit cut out where she, where she gives him a tongue lashing. There's a lot of timey-wimey stuff going on there. Uh, yeah. All to do with all the deer business. <laughs> the, yeah, we, we won't go into, we won't go into the deer business. <laughs> I'd be worried now because, of course, Fiona Cool um, never di- has never died. No, still So alive. he could be listening. He probably- I thought he was asleep. He's, he's asleep, asleep in there. I, I mean, that's like, some nap. I, I thought he was sleeping, you know, in the same bunk as King Arthur and Charlemagne. Oh, yeah, like they're... They're, they're, they're all together in like a, a dorm room of sleeping heroes. Yeah. That's oh. a nice idea. Yeah. That's a nice idea. All the national heroes are like all in the sleep and it's kind of like the Matrix. They're all in this big virtual reality thing. They're sharing stories about their lives and hopefully, like when they wake up, they'll actually have gotten over their murderous ways and will yeah, bring and peace th- to they the will universe. Prob- yeah, they will have, you know, united, the nation shall be one. Mm-hmm. And they'll all take Peace a nice earth. drink together to segue us back. So, Mark, do you have a story that involves drinking drinkables? I, well, I do. My favourite one that immediately came to my head when we were saying this was just looking at the story of the death of King Fergus. And mm-hmm. while it's a really small part of the story, it's just it shows the very first leprechaun who ever came to Ireland, which is Essert, the poet, yeah. who following a great feast over in mm-hmm. Lynn, and they're all gathered together and King Lubdon is at the head of the table with his beautiful wife, Queen Bebo, female leprechauns people, oh my God. Um, gender equality for leprechauns. Yeah. And yeah, he's boasting about how great they are and how great they are as a people and advanced and wonderful they are and he's an amazing king and he's quite drunk at this stage. <laughs> and then he says how they have the greatest army in any land and of course... Yes. Ersert knows better from his, he's a very learned young man yeah, he's reading was. stories from all over the world and he, he starts laughing and they, they punish him by trying to throw him in prison of course but he, he says, says no no, no no I'm telling the truth I can prove it I've never I, heard I, his voice but I'm imagining that's, that's, that, that is I, I felt transported back to Phelan it was, it was like you were was, he was speaking through you um, but uh, yeah he goes on this, this great mission to rather than go to prison 
He yeah. heads across Ireland on the back of his magic hair, which runs so fast. He had to find the giants. But when they take him back to the feast with King Fergus mm-hmm. in his homestead, they sit him into a golden goblet because he's too small for any of the chairs. Mm-hmm. Until a young wine server passing by. Thinks, oh, that glass is empty. That glass is empty. Yeah. A bit not acknowledging the, the young man inside it. And they, they pour the wine in on top of him and they start to feed him porridge. And <laughs> it, It's weird though because when I first heard that story and that bit of the story, to be honest, I hadn't heard that section of the story yeah. until I was in the museum. It just reminded me so much of like seeing groups of people together where there is that person who's gone too far yeah. and everyone is egging them on. Of course. They continue to top up the wine. He's splashing out. His body's absorbing it. They're feeding him porridge, <laughs> which he thinks is amazing because he's never had porridge before. Yeah, he's never had porridge. Never had porridge. By all accounts, um, we may just call it something different. But yeah, they kind of egg him on and his stories get wilder and wilder. And of course, it's the same thing as you will see all across any major city on a Saturday night. Yep. Um, yep. When it goes too far, then people are like, oh, that's bad. But he, of course, says that that his people can look inside people and see their deepest mm-hmm. secrets and desires. <laughs> and suddenly, gosh. you know, it's no longer fun and games. No. But, yeah. but that image of him sitting in the goblet, and I've seen it in illustrations done for TJ Ralston's version of it. Mm. And then Patricia Lynch, of course, in, uh, in a book we have here in the museum, it's a children's version. But it still keeps this amazing image of a little leprechaun yeah. splashing around in a goblet of wine. And on wine. Now, obviously, like Ireland never had vineyards. We really have the climate for grapes. Yeah. But I you was... can make wine out of other stuff. You can make it out of dandelions, can't you? You can't. Well, te- I believe technically, um, the process for mead, it's essentially honey wine. It's not a, it's not a beer. Mm-hmm. And just on that, like we apparently we used to import a lot of wine from different regions. Because we had, we had good trade. Good. That was the thing. Like I, we, we weren't as isolated as we make out. But no. that was the thing. Like just briefly on that, I find that really interesting. That because of the way we're taught it, history, Irish history these days, you kind of have this image of Ireland being this isolated little spit of land off in the western and fringes of civilization. Didn't really interact with the rest of the world until the Normans popped over. No, we had which trade, was completely trade different. Yeah. yeah, the Celts were traders. The Vikings yeah. were traders. We traded with the Romans. Yeah. We got huge amounts of wine over from the south of France, I believe it was. Yeah, um, yeah and coming up from northern Spain as well. Oh, uh, the Spa- Spanish wine gets mentioned so often in folktales. Like, it's that kind of, like, that treat, that, that delicious, delectable spirit. I, I had, in my head, somehow, I don't know why I assumed this, but when the, they talked about the Spanish wine, I had somehow assumed that it, the fairies had stolen it from the Spanish Armada when it got washed up on the shore. Quite possibly. That was that's actually bales of cocaine washing up on the shore is what you're thinking of <laughs> we've all seen Young Offenders and it's amazing fairies <laughs> on cocaine is not an image I want to entertain so maybe maybe, maybe maybe word trading maybe just everything washed up on our shore because it was the last chunk of land yeah everything finds its way here yeah and we are willing to take just it. take it eat it and drink it without knowing what it actually <laughs> is whatever way we can There's a, there is an innocence in the stories where people don't consider the you know disastrous outcomes of what can happen no. if they yeah. eat this of course in terms of eating and drinking with the fairies if you find yourself on a fairy hill one of the main kind of pieces of advice is uh, do don't accept any food, food. stranger danger well funnily enough like that the do not eat the food or drink the wine happens an awful lot but there are a couple of them where they they're really just warned about the food and the drinkables seem to actually be okay. I think it depends what you're drinking. I think water is okay because, yeah. I like because wine would come from, you know, a fairy fruit yeah. or something like that. Uh, but I think if it's, it's if it's just water, if there's nothing in it, you should be okay. Yeah, because that's an interesting one. But the fairies be able to make their own wine. Oh, well, they have fairy fruit. Yeah. So I imagine they could. Like, um, but also given, um, they were given. An, an abundance of food by mm. Manon MacLear. It was like mm. food everlasting, yeah. invisibility, and the third one, and, and life everlasting mm. is what they were given. Now, there's, there's variations how that kind of gets gets picked up, but it almost sounds like they were given everything they needed and it would just renew itself. Yeah, um, You see that again with, with things, with goblets that never empty, and of course the yeah. pot of plenty. Of course. Um, and that giant cauldron of porridge. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the Dagda's pot of plenty. Mm. You know, Um but stuff like that, I think. I think when it comes to the drink, it's kind of not as it's not seen as being as dangerous. Except a drink, it's like I should be rude not to. Yeah, and oh, there that's... is the whole thing about hospitality that not just when someone arrives at your home you have to give them hospitality, but 
you have to accept hospitality graciously. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way street. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't accept their hospitality, you're offending your host, yes. and that can go really badly. <laughs> Frequently does. Because like, there was an alternate version of the Ersaf story when... There's so many versions. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite thing about folklore. The last thing you can look for is consistency. <laughs> but that the reason that he gets put in the goblet with the wine is because he, he, they asked him, oh, would you, would you like a drink, Ersaf? Ah, grand, thanks. No, 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 no. No, when someone says, would you like a drink, you say yes. Well, I no, know. You wait for them to ask three times. That's the thing. It's the classic. You can't accept on the first round because then you're too eager. Mm. You can't even accept on the second one because you're a cheap floozy then. You have to wait. You have to hold out for three, three Actually, asks. Actually, a thing happened with my, I think it was my great aunt. She went over to see some of the cousins in San Francisco, I think. Okay. And, <laughs> sorry, Mark is trying not to hit a microphone. And... <laughs> She was used to this thing of, you know, the, the, you asked the three times and they basically, they got up early in the morning, had a big breakfast yeah. and then ate quite late. And they were going around busy showing her all the city and all the sights and everything. And sort of get to the middle of the day and one of them would go, oh, Louis, would you, would you like something? And she said, oh, no, no, I couldn't. no, I'm fine. And they wouldn't ask again. <laughs> and this went on for a full day and she was starving by the time it got to dinner. Of course. Second day again, she, uh, they said, uh, well, you, you fancy a bit of lunch? No. Okay, Grant, we'll keep going. Yeah. And she was, and by the third day, she'd, she'd finally learned to when they asked, would you ask me? Yes, yes, please, <laughs> feed, me, feed me now. I don't understand. I mean, the, the people had to have a, seem to have a problem with, like, kind of asking for what they want. I mean, yeah. it'd never be even considered to actually approach and go, hi, would you mind today? Can I have a sandwich? That's okay. Uh, yeah, wouldn't have, wouldn't have. Can't get any notions. No, but like, I mean, if you're hungry, Ask for food if you like. If you need help, it's 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 one of the biggest issues. But all these stories at the top, you always just see the same things just happening again and again. Mm-hmm. You think if you just did this, everything would, would be, be fine. fine. Yeah. But then you'd have no story. All right. Exactly. Well, well, someone to tell one of the stories of drinking from the fairies. Drinking from the fairies. Well, on the subject of the danger of it, one of my one of my favorite ones. I used to tell it quite often. It it all opens with young girl going off into the woods to fetch some water from one of, the, one of our many holy wells. And as I recall, she was going to make some nice honey cakes. And so she's going off, and like, how the sun's setting in Ireland, and as we all know, sunset is not a good time for us to be out and about. So she's just walking along, and then she trips over, and suddenly, like, she gets up, and everything's different, and everything's strange, and all the colours seem more vibrant and bright, even though the sun's setting, and... But she like just keeps going on. She finds the well, and then all around the well, she sees all these beautiful creatures, and they're dancing in the moonlight, and she's just staring at them, transfixed. And then one of them just says, "Oh, who's this now?" Starts walking towards her, and it's this gorgeous guy, and he just puts out his hand, and she just has to take, and they start dancing the night away. But then they stop, and he goes, "Look, it's been a beautiful dance, but I, we we have to go back beneath the earth. The sun's soon to rise." Would you like to come with us? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. When a strange man I've just met asked me to come back to his house, I should definitely go along. Yeah. So the well opens up and it becomes the staircase and the descend beneath the earth. And they found themselves in this beautiful banquet hall and like food's being brought out and wine is being poured. And she's sitting down feeling dead chuffed. And <laughs> then like this guy, the serving man, he's got ginger hair. Uh, come, it's important actually to the story. I'm not just being racist against gingers, but he comes along and he's pouring out wine and she pours it into her goblet and she like she's thirsty now. Mm. Like dancing's thirsty work. She lifts it up and she's about to take a large gulp and he, ginger man, just leans in and goes, "Don't drink the wine or don't eat the food." And she just stops and she goes, "Oh shit." Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and then it kind of comes back to her that her grandmother would always say not to eat the food or okay, drink the, the wine. wine of the fairies. And and she suddenly realises that all these other party guests... Are all st- staring at her. All staring at her, kind of going, are you going to take the drink? Are you going to take the drink? And she's... Oh, go on, go on, go on. Exactly, More like some sort of sadistic Mrs. Doyle. And she just starts going lower in the goblet down, going, yeah, just not going to have it now. And they're having none of this. They come, they grab her, they're trying to force her to take drink it. But then... Ginger man comes in to save the day, smacks it out of her hand and tells her to run. She legs it back out and she manages to get up to the steps and when she comes back out, it's sunlight, so she's safe. But that, like, to me, like, that one's always reminded me of, like, the old Greek 
Persephone, Persephone. and the, the fruit and the thing. And fruit again, fairy fruit. Uh, there's a poem by Christina Rossetti, The Goblin Market. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is about two sisters, and they, they've always been told, you know, you can hear the goblins singing, don't mm. go, don't take their fruit, don't make deals with them. And of course, one of the sisters goes and does it. Of course. And takes a, th- she exchanges a tear from her eye, and they give her a piece of fruit, and it's the most beautiful fruit she has ever eaten. But then when she gets back home, she can't stop thinking about it and everything else she tries to put in her mouth it just tastes like mm. ash every drink she tries to drink tastes like vinegar and she's wasting away and her sister's like oh you ate the fairy food didn't you oh damn it well you're dying I have to get you some more of this fruit or else yeah. you were going to starve to death so goes off and the goblins are like oh yeah it's another human great you, would you give us a tear or a, maybe a sigh or a lock of your hair and she's like no I've got a coin I'm going to pay for my stuff with money because I'm a human that's what we do <laughs> and the, the goblins are not capitalist pe- pig yeah, that's how the, we the, roll. Go- the goblins they, they don't like this they, they prefer no. a barter system and they get quite offended by her offering of them of money and she also won't eat the fruit there so yeah. they start to pelt her with fruit and <laughs> torment her and pinch her and try to like pry her mouth open to stuff the fruit in her mouth but she so she manages to fend them off and she comes back home and she's covered in pulp <laughs> And she basically sort of like scrapes it off herself and feeds it to her sister, but that sisterly love breaks the spell. Oh, that's actually quite sweet. It is. Not like ours. Yeah. No, but I mean, and again, there is though, but I, I think we were talking, some of us, the storytellers, talked about this recently. Hmm. We, we're telling stories from hundreds of years ago, but I think we have a responsibility to look at them in a very different way. So we're talking about like the heroes sleeping together earlier on. Like what hmm. we refer to a hero classically speaking we yeah. now see as now I'm not saying kind of judging people on, on past beha- behaviours and these are fictional characters they don't have the opportunity to look and go I recognise my behaviour I can see that it was quite toxic mm. and, and I've learned from that but I do think as storytellers it's to, to highlight the the issues in the stories is yeah. really important and when you look at that like the peer pressure around both of those stories, you know, oh, yeah. you have to, you have to take this. Yeah. You're not part of it, mm. and it's having that kind of the heroes and the people who are brave enough to say no, no in those situations, yeah. you know. Or and in, it's uh, in difficult. Nisha's story, the mm. uh, the ginger man who is yep. defying the the fairy lore of trying to steal this human. Well, yeah. that's that's one of the biggest things yeah. you can do oh, yeah, is yeah. calling Stand out up. bad ba- yeah. bad behavior. Yeah, um, and I think. Traditionally, like bards and storytellers, they would have had that that power, that weight to kind of decide what was right and what was wrong. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and I, I, th- I think then how we tell the stories. And we don't have to write new stories to oh, do it. You can yeah. just recognise the issues in, in older stories. Yeah. Sorry if that got a bit heavy there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what happens when you've got teenage we'll children? Some deep <laughs> contemplative yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. So, um, lighten the mood with the Chloricon story? Clerican story. Yeah, I've I've got one. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. Uh, so it's from the Big Green Book. Ah, the, the Big Storyteller's Green Book. Bible. Yeah, and I, I believe in that it's called the Master and Men, and it's yeah. under the Leprechaun section, but it's a Clerican. Yeah. So Clericons, uh just a side note, as well as being great drinkers, they're also great riders. Um, <laughs> and Nisha has the mind of a fourteen-year-old boy. Uh, they were known for for their horsemanship for their riding and being able to pluck uh, was it Ragworth? Yeah, Ragworth. It was either Ragworth yeah. or Rushes yeah, from the ground and turn them into horses yeah. which is just an interesting well, that, that's the Ragworth which Ragworth. in this, a lot of stories gets called Bullocon Boy which is the yellow boy oh. poisons the cattle as well right. so the, one of the reasons it was associated with the fairies as well was that you wouldn't graze your cattle near it so mm. the story uses like, oh, the fairies are about, but really it's poisonous to cows. Mm. Uh, sorry, yeah, I like plants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the story starts with a, a young lad called Billy. Mm. And Billy, well, he was a bit of a lad. But he had one particular gift. He had managed to perfect the art of never having to pay for his own drink. Huh. It's quite he a gift. Had, yeah, he had drunk in every pub in the country and never once stood his own round. Which um, we didn't, all know didn't necessarily one. make him a lot of friends. But one night he was on his own. It was dark, it was cold, he was walking alone in the darkness, which, as any storyteller will tell you, is not a good idea. And he made the mistake of saying his wish out loud. (laughs) And he said, oh, wish I had a drop of the good stuff to keep me warm. And then, as if by magic, there was a little man standing in the middle of the road. A little man holding out a very large glass. And the little man said, ah, Billy, would you like a sip or something? Well, Billy wasn't going to look a gift horse in the mouth. So he took the glass, downed it, 
wasn't exactly sure what was in the glass, but it certainly <laughs> was good and it hit the spot. And so he handed the glass back to the little man saying, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That was just what I needed. But the little man was now holding out his hand and going, and, uh, how do you plan to pay for that, Billy? And Billy started tapping himself down going, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. I'm only mortified. I'm after forgetting my wallet. I'm so sorry. I've got no coin to pay for it. Oh, just can't pay for the drink. Really sorry about this. And the little man, of course, was having none of this and mm-hmm. said, right, well, if you can't pay for it in coin, you'll pay for it in service. You're now... <laughs> Nisha. <laughs> you are now I... my servant. I didn't know that was part of the story where you're saying that to Nisha. <laughs> <laughs> he, he made a face. I and, did nothing. And the little man said, right, now you meet me right here tomorrow, same time, and don't be late. If you're a good and obedient servant, you'll find me a kind and generous master. But if you're lazy, if you're impunctual, oh, it'll go very badly with you. Mm. Then he vanished. Billy, of course, made his way home trying to convince himself this uh, this was his imagination. There's no such thing as leprechauns. And if there's no such thing as leprechauns, well, then there can't be any such things as chloricons, can there? No, no. Makes oh, sense. Yeah, makes Definitely. sense. Logic there. Yep. So the next night, it's not that he was frightened. He just mm-hmm. fancied a quiet night in. And he was in his house, all the doors locked. And suddenly a wind swept the house. Things were knocked up. Tables, chairs were upturned. And he himself was being pinched, poked, prodded and pushed out the door. And when he collapsed into the street, well, who was standing there? But little man, of course, mm-hmm. looking none too pleased. Tapping his feet, looking at his watch, going, Oh, what time do you call this? Now, I warned you not to be late. Do it again, it'll go even worse with you. Billy got to his feet. He was bruised, he was battered. He was like, going to do whatever this little man said. And little man said, right, now, first things first. I need you to saddle my horse. Billy looked around. Mm-hmm. No horses to be seen. They weren't near a stable. And so he was just looking blankly at the little man. And said, Billy, I have to tell you everything. Go on, give me some Agworth. Some of that yellow flowers that Mark was talking about. Go, crappy. <laughs> one for me, one for you. And Billy, well, he legged it off. He grabbed the two bunches of yellow flowers. He brought them back, handed one to the little man. The little man stuck it between his head legs as if he was about to pin a witch on a broomstick and said, mm. right, my horse, my bridle and saddle. And suddenly... Well, the plant began to grow, began to swell, began to turn into a horse. And Billy's was turning into a horse as well. He only just had time to jump up on it mm. backwards before the two of them were riding up into the air. And the little man who's looking out at the countryside, spread below him, looking for something very particular, looking for a grand house. Mm-hmm. Because grand houses have grand wine cellars. When he found one he liked the look of, he said, right, we're going down. And as they descended, they got lower and lower Sorry, they got lower and lower. Of course they did. They got smaller and smaller. <laughs> and at last, they were so small that they could just slip in through the keyhole. Once they're inside, of course, they turn back to their regular sizes. The little one said, right, Billy, fetch me a glass. We're going to do a little bit of sampling. And they began to sample mm-hmm. every bottle. <laughs> and when they'd finished, they went back to the beginning for, you know, a second opinion. Actually. And Billy, well, he eventually had a little bit of enough Dutch courage to notice the little man was a bit upset. The more he drank, the more morose he seemed to become. And eventually he... He asked, what is bothering you? And the little man said, well, tomorrow I'm turning 1,000 years old. And you know, all that time, I've always been single. Never had a wife. Never had a, you know, a partner to spend my days with. I am starting to think, though, that maybe 1,000 years old is about the right age to settle down. To which Billy agreed. Mm-hmm. If he was ever settling down is when he turned 1,000. Now or never. No. <laughs> but he, he was curious that there really never been anyone in all that time never someone mm. special and the little man said well actually now that you bring it up oh there's this girl ah oh, she's gorgeous but it's not her looks that drew me to her it's her voice mm. when she sings she's like an angel that got kicked out of heaven for being too perfect only bother she reckons she's marrying some other bloke tomorrow but I know I can fix that now grab me that sack of pepper and we'll be off Billy grabbed the sack of pepper, they were off on the magical horses, and they went to the home of the bride-to-be. The chloricons snuck them in, they perched on a roof beam, looking down like two sparrows on a washing line. And below them, well, they were having a bit of a party. Mm-hmm. And there was music, there was dancing, there was drink, there were jokes. And the chloricon, well, he waited till the father of the bride-to-be told a particularly uproarious joke, flicked a bit of pepper at the bride, and she sneezed. But no one heard her. So, no one said bless you. He did this again, a second time. A second sneeze, no one said bless you. And Billy had no idea what this was all about. Was what the pepper and the sneezing? Mm. Was this some weird fetish? And the little man, well, he explained. You see, a bride-to-be is on a threshold. Anyone who's about to stop being one thing, start being another thing, well, they're on a threshold and it's a dangerous place mm. to be. If someone in such a peculiar place is to sneeze three times, 
then the fairies allowed to take them away and they don't have to leave anything behind and he had two sneezes down just one more to go and well Billy's conscience was starting to prick up on him I mean yeah Chloricon was great great mate great fun to hang out with great drinking buddy but this was kidnapping mm-hmm. I mean yeah yeah in anyone's books, that's... Yeah, it's, it's not... Like, he, he might be a magical being, but still, this wasn't this wasn't Consent cool. is consent. consent yeah. yeah. So, when the chloroquine flicked the third piece of pepper, when the bride gave her third sneeze, Billy jumped up and screamed out, Bless you! And, of course, the spell was broken. Chloroquine, though, was not too pleased with this. He turned on Billy, fire in his eyes, said, Billy, you're a terrible servant! And pushed him off the roof beam. And as he fell down, he grew back to his regular size, landed with a clatter on the table... And everyone was a bit surprised that a man had fallen out of the ceiling. Mm. But, you know, it had been a good party. Taking Things happened. Yeah. Billy, though he stood up, he brushed himself down. He said, uh, hi, everyone. <laughs> I can explain. And he told the tale. Yeah. Told the tale about, you know, being tricked into being the servant of the Chloricon, about getting drunk with the fairies, about how the bride was nearly stolen. And, of course, no one believed him. Yeah. Well, they reckoned it was a good story. Yeah. So he was invited to the wedding the next day. And at the wedding, he drank his fill. No, sorry, he didn't drink his fill. Good. At the wedding, he ate his fill. He danced <laughs> with every bridesmaid. But he didn't touch a drop to drink. Because he knew when that chloricon had calmed down, he'd be back. Mm-hmm. And if Billy was to get away again, he'd need to have all of his wits about him. Mm-hmm. So the moral of the story, don't take drinks from strange men you meet on the road. And bless people when they sneeze. Yes. That's a very good point. But it, it, it's weird. In the story, I've never seen say, God bless you. And it's not like blessing is yeah. purely, a, purely a Christian thing. But it, I don't know. It's just bless you. But to this day, like whenever anyone in my household sneezes, my, my dad would go, God bless us and save us from the fairies. To this day. Really? Every I, single time. I just say bless you, not short version. Ah, oh, dad's one of those classic, mm. don't use one word when you can use 17 kind of guys. Family storytellers. Yeah, yeah there we go. Oh, that's, that's the way it's going to work. Oh, yeah. But it is, yeah, again, there's no good stories where the, the, where the drinking is, is beneficial. Yeah. No, not really. Like, there's, no. there's ones where it's kind of neutral. Yeah, I mean, uh, butterflies? Uh, yeah, well, no, because I, I know you're talking about <laughs> me there in a tain, and, of course, the, um, well, someone's probably better here to tell that than me, just to talk me a little bit about that. Oh, ho, ho. it's one of the epics. I can do it to a summary version of this. Well, not even to tell the story, but I mean, oh, I yeah, just you made a comment earlier on, so I kind of wanted to bat up to you because your comment about that situation was was brilliant. I'm glad I was brilliant in the past. I wish I could remember what past Nisha said. Oh yeah! Oh, my favorite <laughs> moment in the sorry. Yeah, obviously I was too distracted by drinkables being alcohol, and just bring it up to the point of it. Uh, it's all concerning Madeir. He's he's lusting after this beautiful woman, Attain. And unfortunately for him, he already has a wife. Now, that isn't really, wasn't a problem back then. Apparently, polygamy was quite legal in Ireland for many years. But uh, jealousy comes in. His wife, Fumanok, was not too happy that Madeir had brought along this new, beautiful, blushing bride, Attain. So she conspired. Because he hadn't talked to her about it beforehand. No. See, transparency. Ethical non-monogamy. Transparency is all that was needed in the situation. But Fumanok... As the lovely Pawdy once said, was a fuming fumanach. <laughs> so she transformed Attain into a puddle of water, as you do. That's how I like to deal with my romantic rivals as well. And kind of just left her there, kind of laughing off manically, wiping her hands. But she wasn't counting on from the water emerging the most beautiful fly. Fly. <laughs> it's commonly translated as butterfly these days. Nah, it's fly. It's just a very oh, pretty... Butterflies, pr- I mean... Oh, can, we call, can we not say she's a butterfly? We can say she's a butterfly. We can say that. We can also say I'm 5'8 if we want to. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make it true. <laughs> oh, it, so it, said. It's a better story image of the, the butterfly. It is a much better story image. I love your, your hands in before a dove yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, You'd need four hands to be able to do... Because they've got four wings. Yeah. Let's, I mean, so I don't think this, this beautiful podcast. Fly, butterfly, whatever. And... 
but apparently she's the greatest gorgeous butterfly you've ever seen. Mm. Like mm, she yeah. is a very attractive butterfly, and Madeira I keeps hear, her around. Yeah, he, I hear in one room she flies onto his shoulder and fans him with her wings. Gently yeah. fanning with the wings. And she, she cannot be removed, of course, until... Until, of course, Fiorinac shows up again under the guise of... Look, Madeira, we should really talk this out and work through these issues. Comes in, boom, someone's a massive wind blasting butterfly a toy and out the window and she's tossed around Ireland 357 million times over until finally like the swarm dies down and she kind of comes back to her senses and she's kind of dizzily flying about the place and then wouldn't you know it, she lands in a cup of buttermilk and... It just happens to be the cup that the one of the queens of Ireland is drinking out of, and not noticing the butterfly in her cup, she just drains it down. And as I'm, as we all know, as storytellers in the museum, uh, you can't drink anything in Ireland that's had some sort of insect in it, because otherwise, you get you get pregnant. you get pregnant. That's a baby made. Yeah. Yep, that, damn it! <laughs> 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 that was going to be my punchline. <laughs> It still can be. Editing is very clever. It is incredibly clever, but I. Nah. So she has been. She's now being reborn, and of course, this queen, after drinking the buttermilk, becoming pregnant by a butterfly, because that's how biology works. She gives birth to a beautiful girl, and what do you name a beautiful girl in Irish mythology? Gronya. A tain. Neve. Every Dave. single. <laughs> I wish there were more girls called Dave in Irish mythology. It would be fantastic. And then, of course, it keeps going with the whole love triangle. Now she's being married off to another king, but that's another story. Uh, it's a common motif, the insects falling into... Or cows drinking from rivers. Cows drinking from rivers. Those generally produce bulls, generally. Because that's also how like, Cucullin came about. At the, the triple birth of Cucullin. But someone had a drink? Uh, well, it all opens with the plague of birds up in Ulster oh. and Conor McNessa and his at various times sister, various times granddaughter coming along and they find themselves in Newgrange, Brunavogna and of course, in, while there, she, their Dectira is told, you, you're a woman, we have a child, <laughs> your job in our society is to take care of this child, so here Dectera, you go. was it? Very skilled charioteer she before this. She was, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to suppose the hypocrisy here. She was amazing. I'm, I, I actually adore her as a character. She's fantastic. But so she's given this baby to look after and she carries it back home and unfortunately gets a bit, bit sickly and it dies. But then she's taking a drink one day and this small maggot creature gets into it. She drinks it down and pregnant again. So Tequila. Tequila. It's got a worm in it. Wait, hang on. Did, did the maggot come from the baby? Probably. Uh, as I recall, it's not actually gone into it. It's assumed that it is the baby coming back again, trying for a second time around. That's alarming. So it's a banshee screaming folks for that. So she's pregnant again, because as we all know, you cannot drink things with insects inside them in Ireland. But um, then obviously to, because she's, she's a pregnant woman and she needs to be married off. So Connor arranges for her, her to marry the Lord of what's now Louth and... She gets to marry him, but she's feeling a bit embarrassed because she's going to her her bridal bed with child. So she. And there's a rumor that her brother may have put the baby there. For all we know, he did, but uh, very blurred lines. Blurred lines, then. and uh, so of course she find she finds some way to miraculously make herself not pregnant. I heard one that it's uh, her husband who had initially was fine with, you know, she's pregnant already. It's like, I don't actually want to raise another man's kid. So just lay on her really heavily. <laughs> and the baby got squished out. And as another child was... Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a what, lovely, that's, horrific yeah, image. That, that is a horrible image that I can't remember where I heard it, but I heard it somewhere that basically he... <laughs> Popped it like a spot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, while putting another one in. That's just well, a no. I mean, interesting again, my image. face is not going to translate onto <laughs> no, podcast, no. but it's rather marvelous, though. Yeah, I know that generally. Anyway, but thanks for noticing. Oh, you're welcome. but I guess so. Where have we come to with the whole drinkables and consumables within uh, within Irish storytelling? It's what's the message? Um, always have like one of these lids over your drinks. Yeah, yeah, for many reasons. Yeah, for many well, reasons. Use a keep cup. Yep, but uh, I think they're. There's been a particular drinkable that uh, 
I know it comes to a lot of people's minds when they think about Ireland. And I think we're a bit remiss not mentioning it so far. Tea? Puccine. Oh. The old Puccine. Song some recent about Plum Puccine. Someone in yeah. the team. Who is that? I can't remember who was talking about it, but they're in a bar somewhere in this country, and I'm mm-hmm. not, not naming it not to point fingers. I just don't know. Yeah. I can't remember, but the, the guy who owned the bar was saying, uh, mm-hmm. I don't have it. I can't sell it to you, but I can give you some on the quiet. No judge, wink, wink. Yeah. Plum pudding. Yeah. Is it pudding if it's made from plums? Pudding's meant to be from potatoes, isn't it? It is. Um, well, you can also get slow pudding. And I think like I th- I can't remember what exactly makes puccine puccine apart from it's a- um it's brewed illegally in a boot in a boot I don't know it just in my he- head it like it's you know, uh, well it, it, of course, it's fermented it's, up in you know in mountains an old welly an old welly because it'll be people listening just won't know what puccine is <laughs> yes. but it's essentially moonshine it's yeah it's, it's um I've read somewhere it was the precursor to whiskey in Ireland uh, of course Ishkabaha. So we wouldn't have been able to make it until we could get potatoes. Yeah, see, that's where I get a bit confused by it because it was... I think we had wheat before potatoes. Yeah, see, that's why and I think one thing humans are good at—it's making stuff into alcohol. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. yeah. You give us anything and enough time, we'll find some way to make it alcohol. And a boot and a welly, apparently. <laughs> yeah. um, give it some welly. Yeah. But that was the thing. I'm not sure. It, for all for all I know, it could have actually originated as slow poutine, and then when potatoes came over here, we're like, oh, it's a bit better, a bit quicker. Because that was one of the things about pudding. It takes a bloody long time to distill. And uh, being a highly illegal activity. Dangerous. Dangerous. And also pudding gives off a horrendous scent when it's being distilled. So you had to do it really far away from civilization. You had to go up the mountains into the middle of the bogs. And you'd also have like... Cork. Cork. <laughs> oh, no, we wouldn't go that far. Well, it's no matter so how far much... civilization. Yeah, but... Uh, Things are never going We're to be bad enough letters. that you have to go to Cork for any reason. Things will never be that bad. I was going to have a go off loud earlier on and decided <laughs> not to because that's where all the guns are. Anyway, Puccine, lads. So, you generally distill a far away bogs up mountains and it was one of the two backbones of the rural Irish economy. The other being, of course, butter. Ah, yes, we love our butter. We love our butter, but the pudding was, like, yeah. you'd kind of trade it around in the neighbourhoods to get little favours, or if you couldn't, like, if you need to get a bite, of the eat, bite to eat, you go, ah, look, I'll give you a bottle of pudding. Can you just sort me out yeah. with what I need? Actually, when I was born, my parents were given by one of my dad's friends a strange bottle. It was some liquid that had been, like, poured into, like, a plastic water bottle, and my mum mm. didn't know what it was, and my dad took it and I think that's pudding. Ha! It's, it's funny that you say that, because there's a bottle in the room with us, and it's water from St. Bridget's Well. Oh. Because we never, like, I mean, we talked we sure a little not, bit about it. Are we sure it's not Pachin? No, we, I, I, no, that's vinegar, Alicia. <laughs> um, that's vinegar. Um, no, of course, because we've gone on our field trips and we've visited quite a few wells. I knew you said mm-hmm. holy wells, but they predate Christianity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, holy, yeah, we've... They're holes in the ground? Yeah, they are, yeah, no. Holy I, wells. I, I, I get the idea of a well. Um, <laughs> But, um, I was trying to make a pun. I'm not Kira. Okay. <laughs> she will forever Thank be the patron saint of puns. Um, but yeah, like yeah, drinking the water from the wells or put, putting the water from the wells, certain wells would cure ailments. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's, well, it's not consuming them, pouring the water on. It's, yeah. it's still like it's the whole thing of drinkables and that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. they get yeah, cure warts, uh, blindness, hair loss. All these different wells have different properties, mm-hmm. apparently. Okay, so uh, now that we've got sufficiently off drinking things to now pouring on warts, let's go to some questions. Some questions. Ah. You know, it's really strange. I've gone through the question box and uh, it's actually really sweet, so I'm not going to say it in a bad way, but a lot of them are just, I don't have a question, I just want to say I had a lovely time. And uh, that's that's sweet. I'd love to be left notes like that a little more often. Mm. Um, Okay, so there's one here and it says, what story do you believe in? Uh, And if if you do believe in any. Uh, and thanks for making the tour so good uh, Charlie yeah, there in the end but, but what story do you believe in and uh, or, or do you in fact believe in any of them a couple of them um, one of the stories I don't tell much on the tours anymore I only do it now and again uh, the white lady of Castlemock mm. it's a ghost story and uh, I do believe in that I, I've been out to Castlemock seeing the, the remains of the Norman Castle I heard it from my dad who mm. went to Castlemock College as a boarder and of course if you're in a boarding school mm-hmm. that used to be Norman Castle that has a ghost yep they had White Lady Day, uh, which was a day when they had like a half holiday or something. But ritually, the 
Second years would dress up in white sheets and run into the first year dorm and terrify them. Hmm. And this went on for years until one day the white lady came armed with water pistols. Ha. But yeah, I, don't, I can imagine that and happening. Then, and then it was cancelled. Uh, but I, I do believe that there, I mean, there's some like historical record of hmm. uh, the white lady of Castlenock and the Red Barons. So that's definitely one I, yeah. I believe in because I'm fairly certain it's true. Yeah, uh, well, for, uh, I suppose in terms of like what stories you believe in, I think the stories, of course, get exaggerated. But if you break them yeah. down to their core, so the idea of changelings, you oh, know, yeah. so a woman yeah. after a traumatic birth, you know, doesn't have the support. Her husband's away traveling, mm-hmm. and she's there, and she's a child born, and, and it's awful, you know that. You know, she babies are just awful. They are no, yeah, no, they are generally. Um, <laughs> mine, of course, were lovely. Um, but, you know, you're, you're facing, you know, a lot of children didn't survive. Yeah. Of course, a mother is, you know, traumatized, you know, yeah. PTSD, it's postnatal depression. And, and their way of dealing with it was to say, this is not my child. Yeah, especially. Yeah. My, my baby is perfect. My, my baby yeah. is, has, has gone to yeah. the other world and this hard creature's been left yeah. here. And of course, they, they bring them down to the local wells or, or sometimes they were taken off them by force. Yeah. Because the mothers believe it was their child, but mm-hmm. the, the, the community didn't and they take them. They'd bring them down to the local well, and of course, well being seen as a doorway to the yeah, world because they, yeah, other people in here, they, they threw the, these babies, babies these down remains well. down into a well. Yep. Yeah. And it's awful to say that now, considering five minutes ago we were talking about drinking from those very same wells. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Baby liqueur. Too far. Uh, <laughs> 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 Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Uh, but uh, more, probably more than laughing after it. But but I think I think you can look at an awful lot of stories and believe them because the weirdest things I think in any of our stories are actually the behaviour yeah, of people. people. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I always say like in every story, there's a grain of truth or an answer mm. magic. Mm. Everything. Yeah. No. That's the thing. I'd say I agree with you there. Like a lot of the stories start have grains of truth in them. And one of my favourite ones, they're like, continuing on with the drinkables theme, one of the lovely little conceits that many of the stories have, like just exactly, mm. just basically the format is, well, I was having a bit to drink, and then some really strange stuff happened yeah. to me. I love it, because it's, it's that little bit of doubt of, well, I might have just been a bit pissed. But well, you're, you've, I've heard from you that uh, the pook was breath. Oh? Didn't you tell me once that the puka's breath smells like whiskey? I wish I had. That's what's no, happening. It is quite, yeah. I mean, that's, that's great. I was, I, I'd love no, to say I, I said it. I'm yeah. convinced I heard it from you, Nisha, that the Maybe. puka's breath smells like whiskey. So the puka, who is one of their favourite tricks, is creep up behind you and toss you up onto their back and ride around. And then if you came back looking a bit dishevelled, stinking of oh, yeah, yeah. you'd say, there was a puka. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the same with all these stories of these men arriving back home the next day after a night out, mm-hmm. and they the coat is turned inside out, which of course they say is a way to escape from a fairy field, yeah, or yeah. fairy hill, fairy rat. And uh, but he's come home, he's stinking a drink, and he says, "Oh, my dearest darling love, I'm sorry I didn't get back to you. You must be awfully worried, but I I was on my way back from McCarty's and I jumped the stone wall. Do you know, down down by Biddy Grade. He's like, I jumped a wall to relieve myself, you know, and." Uh, and I heard this beautiful music. Because you can music. only do it while in midair. Yeah, yes. yeah, no, no. Sinful otherwise. Um, never tried. Um, <laughs> but he, he jumps the wall, he goes into it, because of course he's in a fairy field then, and he hears the music, and they offer him a drink, and he accepts. You have to accept. Have to accept. It'll be rude not to. Uh, but of course, by the time he arrives back the next day, and the course is broken, he... Of course he's dishevelled. Of course he smells a drink. Yeah. And yeah, he may very well have jumped the wall, but it was a lock-in. <laughs> there was no I think an awful lot of these stories particularly an awful lot of folk tales come about by people just coming up with elaborate excuses oh yeah yeah. you know but at the time believable yeah alright next question next question next question uh, okay uh, well there's one there it's staring at which says where can I get myself a real leprechaun Schlieffoy Schlieffoy really Schlieffoy what do you plan to do with a leprechaun well that would be the question we would ask in return is, uh, well I had it as a TripAdvisor review up there quite give you and I know I'm, I'm bringing up TripAdvisor but what? there's one on there and it's like um, it's a one star review that we got oh, which I love no this is mm-hmm. the one saying that there was no leprechauns and they wanted to come in and get to feed one or mm-hmm. pet one and uh, but we can't have you feeding them not after midnight no that's no. gremlins <laughs> no it was just but again to, to see how they're represented as a people 
as a community, mm-hmm. clothed, all you know, civilized, and then you think you want to pee, you 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 pee, peel them. No, you <laughs> want to feed them and you want to pet them. I think that's they're just not rubbish. So no. derogatory, like it's just. Would you go up to Michael D. Higgins and rub his head and give him a biscuit? Oh, I would. <laughs> I would if he if, if, would. If, he, if he was up for it. Yeah, I so Without would. Consent once again. Yeah. But um, but no, I just thought, I mean I was like I don't want a five star review from someone who. No. I mean I wouldn't want to deliver out something like that. But oh. this idea, yeah, well, you want an leprechaun? Why? Yeah. What's what's your game? Yeah, like I can understand wanting some contact details for them. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if it sound like they'd be good fun to go away, it might have some shoes they want mending, you know, or, you know. Yeah. I, see, I wouldn't be too sure about them being much fun to go out with. Uh, it depends if they're, you know... It depends on if they're in a good mood. We're trying to massive generalisations about better people. Uh, uh, just, just because of the relationship we have with them. If you think about it, 99.9% of our interactions with leprechauns is basically us trying to steal their gold and usually engaging in some sort of mental or physical torture to try and trick them into giving us their gold. Yeah, it's, n- it's no wonder they don't really like us much. Yeah, like I'm not blaming them for not being necessarily the greatest crack to go drinking with. So if you want to get a leprechaun, yeah. be sound. Be sound. Not that it will increase your chances of ever happening across them, but if you do, it will make for a more pleasant interaction. Exactly. Yeah. Be sound. Yeah, be sound. Okay. That's good and, advice and, for but life. Where did you say... Be, be, where, where should... Leave Foy. So, be sound, sound somewhere around Schlieffoy. Yeah. Where is Schlieffoy? That's a uh, in County Louth again. Uh, it's a beautiful place. It is a stunning place. I haven't, I haven't been to Schlieffoy myself, been in Louth, and it, it's nice enough. But Schlieffoy, it's great. It's the natural habitat of leprechauns. Well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, if you don't believe me, look it up. It's all, all on there online. There's a strange one here. Um, is name? it true that leprechauns really like salt? No. I have no idea. I, I know the thing about, you know, carry a handful of salt to keep you safe from the fairies because, mm-hmm. you know, salt's a purifier. And also, you yeah. can do that thing of with revenants, like throw a handful of salt or grains to them and they'll get distracted and go, oh, one, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, yeah. Where do they go? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if leprechauns were fans of salt, though. Because they, the leprechauns seem to escape a lot of the weirder restrictions placed on the other fairy creatures in Ireland. Yeah. And I just, I think that there's a good chance that they could like salt because... As we all know, leprechauns are fond of the odd drink. Yeah. Um, what's great for the day after you've been drinking? Bit of salt. Yeah. Bit of salt. Big breakfast roll. Or, or even on the knife, it's tequila, yeah. but that's going to warm it and you might end up pregnant. Exactly. Bit of salt, bit of lemon, tequila would warm it. You never know what's going to happen. So what have we learned from tonight? Um, don't drink things that have insects in them. Best not. Don't accept drinks from strangers, but refuse in a polite fashion. Yep. Uh, don't kidnap leprechauns. Best not. Don't kidnap anyone. Yeah, don't kidnap anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, consent is important. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think yeah. that, I, I think something that covers all of those is be, be sound. sound. So uh, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. We hope you will go forth into the world and be sound. If you want to get in contact with us, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as the National Leprechaun Museum. I believe we are the only leprechaun museum. Yeah, uh, yeah. And if you've got some questions for us, you can come in, ask them to us in person. You can come on a tour, write it into on a piece of paper, put it in our question box. Pigeon. Pigeon, seagull, magical butterfly. Crystal or, ball. Uh, Think it very loudly when you're Twitter, asleep at night. Hashtag ask a storyteller. And goodbye. <laughs>